0: Welcome to the Think podcast. The show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective with your host Joel Sedekes. And now get ready to think. So normally on Wednesdays we do Worldview Wednesday episodes of course, but today Pastor Rafe is out of town, he's on vacation or maybe he's in town but he's on vacation, doing a staycation enjoying that good quality family time, and I can't begrudge them that. So I'm going solo, but I'm recording this for Friday, which means it's going to air on the podcast on Friday. So if today's Friday and you're listening on the podcast, um, there you go. It's uh, You can disregard everything that I've just said. But if you're watching it live, this is going to be a replacement for your fix that you normally get on Wednesdays, uh, Worldview Wednesday. So it's not going to be quite as much fun without Pastor Rafe, but we'll try to muddle through somehow. Today we're talking about the household sphere. Now, by way of introduction, our mission given by Jesus Christ is to disciple the nations according to Matthew 28, 19. And this means going to foreign nations as well as working within the nation where we are today. In every nation, God has established three spheres of government. Now, this talk is necessarily going to leave certain points out, but I'll recommend a few resources to you at the end of the talk in order to help you take your study further. This is something that we all need to learn. So if you've got resources that you want to share with me, post them in the comments. Although, unfortunately, although we're broadcasting live, I'm not going to be able to take your comments live today. So uh, participation is going to be limited. But if you do have resources related to the family, the household, how to be a better man, better husband, um, how to be a godly wife, etc., share them below. Now, the three spheres of government, according to the Bible, are this. There is the state, the church, and the household. And all three of these spheres of government or spheres of authority require self-government. So my big idea here today is this. Pious households are essential for discipling societies. Pious households are essential for discipling societies. If our goal is to make disciples of all nations, and it is we will need to know how to influence these three spheres. How do we influence societies and nations through these three spheres? The state, the church, and the household. Now, the first step is pursuing our mission. Sorry, the first step in pursuing our mission of making a huge gospel impact in the world, of discipling our societies, is to make a huge gospel impact in our own households. Well, what is a household? Now, the following ideas are taken from C.R. Wiley's book, The Household and the War for the Cosmos. If you happen to know C.R. Wiley, please reach out. Let him know I'd like to interview him on the Think Podcast. So what is a household? Fundamentally, a household is not a building, okay? It's not a single family home, an apartment, a condo, or anything else, or even a family, but it's rather an authority structure. Historically, the The household is a mini economy. In fact, the word economy comes from oikos, meaning house or home, and namas. Oikos namas, economy, is is where that comes from. Uh, Namas meaning law, so it's the law of the house. It's a system of the house. Its members work together for mutual benefit, or the common good, according to C.R. Wiley. Households were historically centers of industry, and creation businesses were run out of homes as many are still today my dad is a small business owner and runs his business out of the home when i was a kid i worked with my dad and the business was all run out of the set case household uh even today my own ministry the think institute where i am right now i'm in the think institute study but um this room is an area that elisa and i have carved out of our house um, businesses in the old days often were run out of homes. Now, let's talk about piety, because I've said that pious households are essential for discipling societies. What is pious is that which exhibits piety. So what is piety? Piety is devotion to one's duty, so to speak. There's an ancient Greek word that means the same thing as to show piety, see eusebio. Eusebio. It means to act reverently toward God, one's country, the magistrates, relations, and to all whom uh, dutifully regard sorry, dutiful regard or reverence is due. Let me read that again. Eusebio or piety is to act reverently toward God one's country, magistrates, relations, and all to whom dutiful regard or reverence is due. There it is. Second time to the charm on reading that definition. So we see this concept in Scripture. Romans thirteen seven says, pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to whom you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor piety pays its debts, as author C.R. Wiley has put it. So a pious household is one that is rightly ordered. Its members are rightly ordered in relationship to one another, and its whole is related well to the society, to the authorities, to the cosmic order, and ultimately to God. I mentioned Cosmic Order. Um, At the end of this episode, I'm going to recommend a book by C.R. Wiley, where he talks about this, called The Household and the War for the Cosmos. Really, really good book. So what kind of households do we want? We want pious households. Pious households are essential for discipling societies. So what is a pious household like? For our answer, let's talk about three ways that the household relates—the three relations of the household—in relation of its members one to another, in relation to society, and in relation to God. All right. So, relation to society. No, relation to one another. Relation to one another first. Let's talk about the husband uh, slash father, the wife slash mother, um, servants. In the old days, a lot of households would have servants. Nowadays, we might think of those more in terms of um, employees, if you're running a business out of your home. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, children who really come above servants or employees in the uh, in the household. I just happened to read that out of order there. That was not an intentional uh, um, uh, ordering. Now, the word husband comes from two old words, hus, meaning house, and bondi, Husbandi, bondi meaning holder. So to be a husband is to be a householder, to be a dweller in and a manager of a household. He's the one who takes ownership of the household and responsibility for its members. And I mean, ownership in terms of uh, deeply ingrained personal responsibility for the, for the household and for its members, for its, its members. And the husband holds the household together. Let's look at some of the requirements for elders and male deacons in 1 Timothy 2 in order to get a sense of the ideal Christian husband and father. Now, these are going to be requirements that the Apostle Paul says are necessary for an elder or a male deacon, but we're going to see that they're also very appropriate in terms of describing what a husband or father should be as well. So here are some of those characteristics. Now, I've excluded some of the characteristics that um, I believe— specifically pertain to being an elder or an officer in the church. And I'm just looking at those ones that are ideal for the the household, whether or not you're an officer in the church. Okay, here they are. Above reproach, hospitable, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy, Manages his household well. That goes back again to the word husband being the householder. Um, have his children under control with all dignity. Keeping a good reputation among outsiders worthy of respect and not hypocritical. Going back to the children piece, for um, for an elder, his children really actually should be believers um, or at least faithful. Now, a marriage in biblical terms, is like a play in which the husband plays the role of Christ and his wife plays the role of the church. You can read more about that in Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33. The husband is the authority over his wife, 1 Corinthians eleven three. The the man is the head of the woman, which means he's responsible for self-sacrificially leading her and The children and he answers to Christ for how he governs and leads his household. He's also responsible for the education of the children, according to Ephesians 6 4, which says parents, uh, which says fathers are not to exasperate their children, but to bring them up in the teaching and admonition of the Lord. Now, does that mean the husband has to be the one, um, daily homeschooling his children or something like that? No, um, in, in many households, including my own my incredible wife homeschools the kids and i know there's a lot more families who are watching this or listening to this who have entered into that homeschool realm in one way or the other but the husband also ultimately the father ultimately takes responsibility for what the kids are being taught as the the shepherd of the home now that of course that of course is going to be a decision that the husband and wife makes together um, it's not something that he's going to just make for his own benefit or something like that, or um, unilaterally, but ultimately the buck does stop with the dad, the buck does stop with the husband in terms of wh- how his children are being instructed and, um, and, uh, and shepherded and discipled. And the same, by the way, is true. I've uh, written on this, talked about this quite a bit. Um, when it comes to education, the same is gonna be true even if you send your kids out of the home for school to a, a private school, a Christian school, or something like that. If you send your kids to public school, um, let's talk about that. I'm I'm uh, right now at this point in history, I'm a big believer that Christians should be taking their kids out of the public, the government school system. Um, that's another conversation. Although I do believe we do need more Christian teachers in the public school system. Okay, so he's responsible for self sacrificially leading his kids and overseeing their education he is not to be a tyrant nor to seek his own benefit above the benefit of the other household members in fact he's actually supposed to seek their benefit first uh, as a christian the household is rightly ordered with the father as the patriarch now that's a term that's gotten a very bad rap lately, but we have no problem talking about the patriarchs like um, maybe you might say the church fathers or Abraham. And really, it means a, a, the, the father takes the ownership of responsibility in the home. And the mother, the matriarch of the home, if you will, who is in every way the equal of the father, ontologically speaking, but she's, she places herself in subordination or submission to him, according to Ephesians 5 and elsewhere, with the two of them being over the children. Now, far from being an oppressive overlord, the godly father gently, strongly leads his family before the throne of God and teaches them God's word. C.R. Wiley calls fathers the middlemen of the cosmos. He stands between his household and heaven, representing each to the other. Uh, which I I love that imagery. That was a quote from C.R. Wiley. The biblical teaching on household slaves, um, according to Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, are often used today to teach about employee, employer relationships, since slavery, happily, thank God, is outlawed today. And of course, the logic for slavery being outlawed was embedded into the New Testament in uh, such an effective way that Christian civilization is actually abolished slavery twice in world history. Maybe more on that another time. But we use those instructions more to, to talk about employer employee relations today, especially if you're dealing with sort of a, a household business, something like that. All right, let's talk about relation of the household to society. Again, here are three aspects of this relationship: religiously, neighborly, and industriously. Let's talk about the religious relation to society. First of all, with regard to the local church, a pious family belongs to a local church and contributes in appropriate ways that are beneficial to the local church. A godly father fosters meaningful and um, uh, godly or pious participation in a local church body. Another aspect of the religious relation is with regard to uh, missionaries. Godly families support the mission of God by participating in that mission through the funding of and praying for missionaries. By the way, if you want to, uh, if you're looking for a missionary family to support, you can partner with the Think Institute and the Set of case family by going to give.crew.org slash 1018841. That's our giving number. Um, we are crew missionaries. Um, if you want to know more, you can reach out to me at think.institute at gmail.com. Calm. Now, maybe you don't partner with us. Maybe you maybe your church has missionaries that they support and you want to um, engage your family in um, support of Christ's mission in that way. I highly encourage that. I think that's a wonderful thing. Take your family on a missions trip. That, that Become missionaries yourselves. These are all ways to get involved with those who are on mission full-time, um, spreading the kingdom of God, the The kingdom of Jesus Christ through evangelism and disciple making. Um, And then, of course, with regard to other organizations, pious families may have their kids involved in discipleship programs like Awana, or they may belong to small group Bible studies or community Bible study groups, etc., etc. I know I'm looking into getting my kids involved in something called Trail Life USA, which is sort of like um, a Christian answer to the Boy Scouts. Okay, let's talk about the second aspect of the relation to society, which is the the neighborly aspect of it. So we talked about the religious aspect. Let's talk about the neighborly aspect. So again, there are going to be three elements to how a family can engage with their neighbors, caring for those in need, practicing hospitality, and participating in the neighborhood. All right, let's talk about caring for those in need. Pious families practice what James referred to as true religion, that is caring for widows and orphans in their distress and keeping themselves unstained by the world. Furthermore, pious families practice hospitality. They open up their homes to others, both believers and non-believers, for the purpose of fellowship as well as for evangelism. Although I do not recommend, I think the Apostle John agrees with me on this, I do not recommend opening up your household in hospitality to false teachers, whether they be Jehovah's Witnesses, um, I I will typically go and engage them outside on my front stoop, something like that, Um, or false teachers. You don't want to provide uh, shelter and encouragement for false teachers who are, um, in that that regard, you're not furthering the mission of Christ, you're furthering the mission of the Watchtower Society or um, whatever cult or false religion is, is propagating their um, their propaganda. All right. And then finally, participation in the neighborhood. Godly families recognize that God has placed them in their cities, neighborhoods, and blocks for a particular purpose. And he's done the same with their neighbors. Acts 17.26 alludes to this. Actually, it doesn't just allude to it. It teaches it outright. Participating in neighborhood activities is a great way for a household to be on mission. Get to know your neighbors. Get Relationships going, good friendships going. Um, I've got some good friends who they have soup nights where they welcome people into their home, and um, uh, I know other families who are um, who are engaged through through other means, uh, local school councils, things like that. Um, Actually, I can't think of any Christian families who do that sort of thing right now, but I'm sure that there are many of them. Um, I I know a, a good friend, actually a relative of mine, who was involved in his local homeowners association. And from there, God ended up giving him a lot more opportunity to get engaged in local government. But we're not talking about local government right now. We're talking about neighborliness. So more on government uh, at another time. Now let's talk about how a, a household can be a center of industry. Historically, the household is where businesses were run out of. Take a look at Proverbs 31, the, the wife of noble character. I mean, she is running a small business out of her home. See also Titus 2, which says women's women should be workers at home. That doesn't just mean homemaking or being a stay-at-home mom, although that's beautiful and wonderful, but it also means participation in the family industry, working at home. So working at home, not just staying at home, but working at home. Remember, this was written at a time when businesses were run out of the home. So the wife is encouraged to be a worker at home in the family business. Okay. Um, by the way, that's really how Elisa and I run the Think Institute. Uh, We work together out of our household, and she has responsibilities, and I have responsibilities. And um, it's really a beautiful thing. Let's talk about the family's relation to God. In keeping with our trend of looking at three aspects to each point, let's view three ways the members of the household and the household itself relates to God. Through the individual devotion or piety of its members, through family worship, and through joining God on God's mission. All right, individual devotion. Each household member should develop his or her own relationship with God, his or her own personal piety i still remember my dad coming down the stairs as i'm sitting uh, at the 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 table for breakfast and uh, the first question he would always ask me in the morning was joel did you read your bible and if i said no the answer was always stop what you're doing go read your bible stop what you're doing go read your bible and to this day i tell my kids the same thing and uh, to this day i have to spend time with god First thing in the morning, or else I'm off. I'm off uh, if I don't, if I don't do that. So individual devotion. Next, family worship. Now, there is a great book by Donald S. Whitney called Family Worship. I'm gonna say that again. Donald S. Whitney's book, Family Worship. This was recommended by Dan Osborne on this very podcast. But in that book, Donald S. Whitney identifies three essential elements of family worship. And he he says that these are reading the word, praying together, and singing a song. So the household then becomes a little church, which is pretty cool. And then finally, joining God on his mission. Include your wife and your children, men, in your evangelistic endeavors. Wives, share with your husband who you're sharing the gospel with. Ask him to pray for you. Talk about this sort of thing with your kids. You are raising up the next generation of godly Christians who will impact the world. The home is a platoon for God's future army. So, all this having been having been said, how pious is your household now? How can you assess this? Begin with a biblical picture of the household. And I've attempted to lay out some of that for you today. Identify the deficiencies. Okay. Maybe you're not doing family worship. Maybe you are, um, not reading your own Bible and spending time with the Lord today, uh, day by day. Maybe you're not members at a local church. I know for my family, that's a deficiency for us. We've got a church we're attending right now and we still have kept our membership at our previous church, but we're in the process of withdrawing that membership. And so we're kind of a, we're kind of in limbo right now. We've been very blessed to find another church where we've been staying. Um, Long story, but we're selling our house, we're moving. And so um, we've got this other church we've been going to. I've already met the uh, pastor and interviewed him, um, quote unquote. But um, we need to become members of a local church. And we will do that once we move. In fact, we want to do that ASAP. So identify those deficiencies. And then Figure out how to bridge that gap. First things first, if there's a deficiency that's due to sin or sinful neglect, whether it's a sin of omission, a sin of commission, repent and recommit to Christ and then make the necessary changes. Understand that Jesus Christ died for your sins and commit yourself or recommit yourself to him, seeking seeking biblical guidance in his word. Um. Make those adjustments and then continue to make improvements as you go. So practically speaking, um, commit to personal time in scripture and prayer. Commit to personal evangelism. Say you're going to share the gospel with someone once a week. Um, As I'm saying that, I'm realizing it's been a while for me since I've shared the gospel with someone. When was the last time? Well, I I handed a gospel tract to my um, Jimmy John's delivery guy yesterday. Not quite the same thing, but it's something. Um, commit to participating in evangelism together as a family sharing the gospel Uh, commit to family worship set a particular time Uh, Michael Foster who um, he and non-tenant run the organization called it's good to be a man more on that later Uh, Michael Foster recommends doing it at breakfast I've been doing it before bed with the kids recently but pick a time and then test it out and see what works for you serve together. And uh, what else? You tell me. Leave a comment. Let me know for yourself what are some things that you're doing or want to do in order to have a more pious on-mission household. So in conclusion, there are things that you can do today, but remember that it's all of grace. The Christian life is all of grace. So receive God's grace. Know that you're not going to turn everything around in a single day. This is going to take time to build. Pious households are essential to discipling societies, but they take time. Stay in God's word. Believe that it will be worth it. Commit yourself to the mission of Jesus Christ and trust that he will establish you, that God will establish you in Christ, that he will grow you up in Christ, and he will make your household the kind of household that he wants it to be. Uh, We have his His word on that. So, before I go, let me hit you with some recommended resources. First, the book that I've mentioned several times in this episode, The Household and the War for the Cosmos by C.R. Wiley. Excellent book. Check it out. There's a video on YouTube, if you're, more, if you're more of a video kind of person, which if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, you I assume that you are. The video is called The Paideia of God by Douglas Wilson, and you can uh, search for that. Uh, it's P-A-I-D-E-I-A. Paideia, The Paideia of God by Douglas Wilson. Douglas Wilson, I've had on the podcast twice. He is a pastor out of Moscow, Idaho, and he and his wife kick-started the modern classical Christian school movement about 25 years ago. So definitely a good person to hear from in, um, in that regard. And then finally, a couple podcasts for you. Mama Bear Apologetics, for all you moms, great podcast to listen to, to help Think about how you're going to establish your household with uh, within biblical ideological parameters, okay? So that you're leading your children, especially in the truth. Um, I've had the one of the mama bears on this podcast, Hillary Morgan Ferrer, and uh, Lord willing, I'm having Elisa Childers, who's not officially a mama bear, but she's been she's got her own apologetics thing going on, and uh, she's but she has done work with mama bear apologetics as well. She's going to be coming on. Soon as well, so stay tuned for that. And then two podcasts for the fellows: "It's Good to Be a Man" by Michael Foster and Non Tenant, and "The Pursuit of Manliness" by Jarrett Samuels. Uh, Jarrett's a friend of mine, and uh, he's based out of Indianapolis. So that's all I have for you today. This is um this is an introduction to the idea of having a pious household and. I want to hear from you about this. What do you, what do you think about this? Is there something that I said that you think is especially helpful? Or is, is there something that I said that you think is, um, maybe not biblical? But please like this video, share it with a friend. If you're on Facebook, like the, the, um, the Think Institute Facebook page. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and hit that bell so you don't miss any, um, any of our notifications any of our excellent content if i do say so myself again partner with the think institute and the set a case family by going to give.crew.org slash one zero one eight eight four one i know it sounds like i'm i'm hitting on this a lot lately about our need for sponsors and and um ministry partners and supporters but you know what we do we need you guys we need your support and uh that is how we are able to fund this ministry and so uh, if that's something something that the Lord is putting on your heart, don't let the professionalism fool you of the content that we're putting out. Uh, this is only funded and fueled by like-minded individuals, churches and ministries like yourself. So connect with us on pretty much all the social medias, social mediums, social media. And this is not goodbye. This is just a little pit stop along the road of your spiritual journey. That's all we have for you today, so until next time, I hope it made you think.